0: welcome back on the island quarantine edition part 47 or so who really knows anymore i'm your host taylor Gaines here to talk about survivor season 40 winners at war after another wild episode that was honestly hard to follow that's my take come back next week for more here to join me as always my favorite guest As well as Clifford the Big Red Dog, he's in a grimy-ass situation. It's Tyler B. Commons.
1: If I get voted out of this podcast, do not talk to me ever again. Sunk!
0: My My game game is is sunk! sunk.
1: That's how Sarah was feeling. But if I get voted out of this podcast, you can still talk to me.
0: (laughs) Please. (laughs) Please, please continue. Ty, you've been in quarantine longer than most people.
1: I have. I've been in uh,
0: self-imposed.
1: Imposed. Imposed. That's a good word, because I couldn't come up with one. I was going to say self-assessed, but I don't think that's correct. Self-whatever. I was having a thought. So quarantine, we're talking about it. We haven't heard from Ernest in a while. What is COVID-19 in New Zealand?
0: You know, it's funny you mention that. I know literally
1: nothing about
0: it. I read... In the news this morning, that Australia and New Zealand are actually two of the countries closest in the world to reporting zero new cases yesterday. I believe South Korea reported zero new cases yesterday, and New Zealand and Australia were like in the single digits. Someone can correct me on that, but things they're stamping things out down there. Dude, good for them, because
1: I just don't... All I knew is Australia was on fire at the beginning of the year. But you never hear about New Zealand.
0: Uh, it's, a cool, it's a cool place. It's true. Yeah, we got to uh, go visit Ernest when all this is over. When we can travel on planes again and the middle seats are turned backwards. Whatever it is they're going to do.
1: Who knows? Maybe they'll just take out every other Did you seat.
0: see that picture? No. <laughs> Apparently some company was like, we're going to make airplane seats in the middle of the row backwards. And it looks so dumb. Because, like, imagine you're in the middle seat. Like, you get your armrest back because you're backwards. But now you have two people just looking at you <laughs> the whole flight. And I don't like it.
1: Yeah, if you fly alone, that's got to be super-duper awkward.
0: Well, actually, it's even more awkward if you fly with somebody. You're like, well, good thing we got seats next to each other. Can't talk to you.
1: Well, no, because then you can just talk to each other, like, literally face-to-face.
0: Because you just turn your head put and
1: you're, like, right there
0: of glass in between though
1: <laughs> all right then i don't i don't know i got nothing for you
0: <laughs> ty was telling me if you're comfortable talking about this that he hasn't gotten his haircut since january 2020 i like how i said the year to make it seem like it was even further away than it was <laughs> but it's may 1st yeah
1: i there's been nowhere to go uh, I currently do not have employment. I've not interviewed. Uh, what's the point? There's no point in getting my hair cut or trying to do my own haircut. Or there's no reason.
0: Just let it go. <laughs> Just let it go. Tell Sarah that she needs to. Man. Hey, one other bit of housekeeping is: I need to know why Clifford the Big Red Dog is right behind your head. So our listeners cannot see this, but <laughs> there is a red dog. Sitting on a bed or a couch behind Ty, and it's definitely Clifford, and he looks upset. He's he looks like he is annoyed that Ty is not paying attention to him. We'll we'll put a picture of him up in the uh, podcast feed, but what's his deal?
1: I think he's happy. Um, I, <laughs> like I said, I'm not at my own place, so my computer is just set up wherever, and one of the decorations in this spare bedroom is a Clifford the Red Dog puppy. So, that's it. No super story to it. Clifford is a decoration in a spare bedroom.
0: (laughs) Oh, Ty. Last week, Sophie left the game with her immunity idol, nothing more than a decoration. This week, several of those decorations were threatened to be played and not played at the last minute in another wild, whisper-filled tribal council. I just don't even know where to start with this episode. Like, if you're on the jury, how are you even processing what is happening? It seems borderline impossible.
1: I think you just have to listen to the people that are voted off, because they definitely bring insight every single week. But if you look at it, like, clearly Tony's in the middle of conversations, and the jury noticed that, and they noticed Ben, and they noticed everybody, but I I think it's clearly evident that Tony right now is the centerpiece, and whether that is positive or negative, I don't really know at the moment, but it it is, it's hectic, like... I was reading one article, and it was talking about, like, everybody standing up and talking to each other and voting and how sick of that they are. And it was exciting once but now it's getting old. And I'm kind of in that same boat of, like, make up your minds. I was with Denise.
0: <laughs> I was over it. Yeah, I just, like, I find it frustrating because I I couldn't follow what was happening. Like, I don't mean to sound like I'm being overly alarmist about this but for whatever it's worth you and I have watched a lot of these episodes and talked for hours and hours about the show and I guess I just expect more of myself to like be able to tell you well obviously this was happening so this this and this happened and that person got voted out like when the vote actually played out I was just like okay
1: yeah it's like hard to swallow when you don't know what's at the end of the fork i don't, i just made that up but like <laughs> what are we doing how it's do we hard know who's going hard to
0: swallow <laughs> when you don't know what's at the end of the fork
1: yeah it could be steak or it could be a brussel sprout one of those is delicious one of those is not like i don't know where the vote's going to go and it feels like They vaguely know where the vote's going to go, but it can change at any second. And I'm just... This is where I am on this season. I think it's really entertaining. I think the gameplay is times 20 of whatever it has been on seasons past because you got 20 winners. Clearly, it's the best of the best. And I just... I can't decide whether i think all this paranoia and vote changing is ruining the game in the way in a way or just making it better or showing how it's evolved like i am just i was 100 percent on board with denise where she's like i'm not changing anymore i'm done can we just vote and like that's that's kind of where i was feeling because the last few seasons you have people like you know rick devins and christian and people that are great and awesome at the game and everyone's like, oh, well, we can't let him get to the end because he's going to win. And then the people that you care about less make it to the end. And the same thing, like some of the talk this episode was about Jeremy and saying, look, if we let Jeremy get to the end, he's going to win. So let's get rid of him. And I don't like that paranoia and that fear has probably always been there, but it's just showing a lot more. And I can't decide whether it bugs me or whether that's just the next level of the game and I'm really enjoying it because I am enjoying this season. What what do you think about that?
0: I think they're just like outsmarting themselves at this point. Like my mom pointed out to everyone last week when she was on the podcast, which you can go listen to. You can also hear Tyler B. Commons' family the week before. Then you can just maybe go vote on Twitter which family you liked more. (laughs) But she pointed out that there hasn't been an alliance you could point to or name this entire season of, you know, three people or more, like a real alliance. And I just think they're all trying so hard to be ready to back out and change and make moves but not make moves and just, like, play this, like, winners style game that they all knew from the time that they won that none of them are willing to sit back and play anything that resembles traditional Survivor, which, I mean, is evident by the fact that every person who was a quote-unquote old-school player was voted out before the merge, essentially. I just, like, don't know what these people want. Like, have, have you ever played Secret Hitler? Have you played that, tie? I have played it. So, like, for those who don't know, it's like a social deception game where there's a group of liberals who are the good guys and fascists who are the bad guys and the fascists are trying to get hitler like elected to the government it's it's sort of turn-based you just kind of argue and try to figure out who's who by the way they talk and the way they act and things like that and i found from playing this game the reason i bring it up is if you are a fascist and and you want the bad guys to win the best thing to do is to just create chaos because no one will be able to unite at all in a way that can help the good guys win because none of the good guys will trust each other or know that they are the good guys. And the way I've been thinking about that with Survivor is that the villains also thrive off chaos and Survivor in the sense that like, you have these big chaotic former winners who made huge impressions with their big personalities and i'm specifically thinking about tony a lot and ben and they are just riding along with no one really noticing them because there's so much chaos happening and it's not that people don't notice tony it's just that he's been allowed to, like, thrive and make these huge moves repeatedly because he knows how to live in the chaos unlike anyone else, especially you pointed to, like, Denise, where she's just like, can we stop this? <laughs> and it's too far gone. It's not gonna stop now.
1: Yeah, and it it's tough because y- you can't label these people good guys and bad guys like it's a game where, you know, the strategy for half the group is to cause chaos and the strategy for half the group is to fall in line and move forward. because like you were saying, there's no lines greater than two people. I think you look at cops RS of Sarah and Tony and then outside of that, like what is another duo? They said maybe they'll bring Ben in there, but I that's questionable for a bunch of different reasons that we can talk about Ben later, I'm sure but who else is aligned like nick kind of seems free agent maybe with michelle michelle kind of seems maybe with jeremy jeremy's trying to be with ben but he's also talking to tony and it's it is it's just chaotic and i don't i don't see that as being the best strategy maybe because as a viewer you can't see it as a strategy you can't see it as getting a vote to go one specific way for 3 or 4 weeks in a row it's okay well this is going to work for me this time let chaos happen as long as it's not my name and i i don't know if i buy into that as being i think in the moment it's really fun but i think when you take a step back and look big picture i don't like that there's not alliances that are strong and sticking together. But then again, on you know, on the flip side, we argue that if one tribe gets a huge advantage in the merge and then just votes out the other tribe, that's also boring. So it's like we're arguing circles here. Like, I, we, I want, guess. we want what we want, but we also don't want what we want.
0: I think what I ultimately want, though, is to sort of understand the decision-making. And I think in our in our best attempt to do that for this episode... It seems that, I mean, so the vote played out. Michelle, Denise, and Kim all voted for Jeremy. Sarah, Ben, Nick, Tony, Jeremy all voted for Kim. So that leads me to believe that what we saw was kind of as simple as it looked there were the big quote-unquote threats of tony ben sarah and they pulled in jeremy and nick to vote out kim because kim kind of abandoned them to work with denise and michelle and what's interesting about kim's move is we can talk about the immunity stuff too but she was trying to get out Tony, and that's what got her in trouble. But Tony had the immunity necklace by the time Tribal Council came around, so she wound up paying the price for a move she attempted to make that would have wound up not mattering in this episode anyway.
1: Yeah, and but that's also because, and I just said a lot of words with no meaning, that's also tough to see where the line really falls because Kim and Sarah didn't want to vote for each other either they had a friendship sort of so if it's not tony it can't be sarah which is weird because kim like you want half of that alliance to stick with you you don't want the other half and that just puts you in such a tough situation of trying to manage people that everybody just seems unmanageable you don't know where you're gonna go it does seem like Nick, Denise, and Michelle are on the outside right now. And those three might go, you know, in the next three votes. But you never know because then you have the big threats, like you said, maybe needing to get rid of other big threats. Like you could see Ben going, you could see Jeremy going. And it's, it's confusing to try and sift through who really wants to be with who because we see Michelle wants to hitch her wagon to Jeremy also. So you don't, I don't, No, it's almost like everybody has something they want to do
0: and it won't happen. So at the end, it's like, okay, well, Tony made a call. Let's go with it. Yeah, it's just the person who has the necklace has the power. And that's never been quite as true as it has the last couple of weeks. Just watching how things have played out. The, The fascinating thing that happened at the end, too, was Tony offering to play his idol for Sarah and Sarah fully just stopping him which I've never seen anything quite like. Sarah plays with such a level of confidence that it's unbelievable. And Jeremy started to play his 50-50 coin that Michelle gifted him. Wound up not doing that either. And ultimately, they both were right because Jeremy survived, Sarah survived, Tony survived. Kim was the one who went home. So it's the second week in a row that There's been a lot of chaos and then a pretty solid group behind it all all along.
1: Yeah, it it seems... (laughs) There's no way to, like, dance around it. The edit is creating chaos, it seems like. Much more so... Well, I don't know. I'm questioning everything I'm saying. Because the edit's creating chaos, but then you have something like Tribal Council where everybody's getting up and whispering to each other. And Nick's like, yeah. I'm sticking with this. And Nick says one thing to Jeremy, and then he says the exact opposite thing to Michelle in back-to-back scenes. So you, don't, you really don't know what's true, what's not true,
0: who's and with who. Jeff doing an ever-so-rare comedic bit, sort of commentating whatever was happening. Like, well, now Ben is going to whisper to Jeremy, and Jeremy now whispering to Denise. And he was was having some fun.
1: Yeah, if he ever gives this up, I think he could uh, give the Derby announcers a run for their money.
0: One more thing about Jeff. I was confused, as you can probably tell. By the way, this episode shook out. Maybe you guys can uh, tell us with more clarity how you viewed it, but... I went to the Survivor YouTube channel, saw a video that said Jeff Probst recaps the latest episode of Survivor, and I thought, you know what, maybe this will be helpful. Once again, Ty, I was wrong. Just like every time I get tricked into doing a Jeff Probst-related thing, wasn't helpful, didn't teach me anything, it was more or less a recap of the episode, just, like, in the sense that it was a shorter version of the episode. (laughs) Almost no insight.
1: And that's true, and I, I, we, he can't give more insight. We want more insight, but honestly if he's like, man, Tony's playing a really good game and I just don't think that Denise has it anymore, like she seems like she's on the outs, and Michelle's trying to like hit your wagon to someone who doesn't even care. I don't think if he gives us that info it's gonna be helpful, but yes. Here's Oftentimes, the other thing he's less than helpful when he tells us what's happening.
0: Here's the other thing I've learned about Jeff he is interested in things i'm not <laughs> you know when you watch a movie and you're like oh this movie made me think about death and like the temporary nature of human life on earth and it was it, it was an interesting thing to think about while i watched it or like you and i have talked extensively about inside out on our other podcast natural selection that people can find in apple podcasts anywhere and spotify and things like that and we talked about how it, what it says about emotions and growing up and who we are, how we are, who we are. I think the themes that Jeff finds interesting in Survivor from what I learned from that video are just not things I care about because he talked for so long about the Edge of Extinction thing and how they wanted to give them an effort challenge to see how much they had in them. And I guess like grit as a storytelling device is just uninteresting to me.
1: But it's a triumph of the human spirit. Aren't you drawn in by that? Yeah, it's it's tough because you gotta be excited. Like, everybody came here because they wanted to see Rob. Everyone came because they wanted to see Amber. You know, like, poverty, Tyson, all these people. So you have to continue to get them in there for storytelling's sake. And it, in a way... This is what I love about Jeff. Jeff loves Survivor, absolutely. So he's gonna do whatever he can and he's gonna storytell any way he can to make Survivor as exciting as it can be. Saying, look, these people don't get anything except for 10 grains of rice every day and then we made them walk 20 miles today. Like, that sells it, it's a tough man, it's exciting. It's, you know, yeah, Taylor's like throwing haymakers over here in the video. That's what it is. It's the big punches. It's the thing you want to hear. It's the thing you want to see. And it's exciting. And to Jeff's credit, he is very good at getting excited and making people excited about it.
0: I did enjoy, like, I mean, we've talked about this time and again throughout the season, but I enjoyed the Edge thing. It like, was fun watching those people do more stuff and push themselves. It was scary watching Rob fall. I, uh, I thought that he hurt himself much more more badly than i guess he did and uh it was an interesting endurance challenge like natalie and sophie just crushing everyone else yule coming in hot on their tail tyson parvati wendell rounding out that top six to get their fire tokens and rob just never quitting man
1: yeah i would i loved seeing rob finish the challenge you know they've had Sari on multiple times and it's awesome when she gets to finish challenges like that's just who Rob is Rob doesn't have an uncompetitive bone in his body and you talked about his injury I don't know he said he heard a pop maybe his elbow is broken and we don't get to hear it and don't get to see it or whatever but it's cool to see that he's out there on edge of extinction and he's playing the game that he loves and he's still working and I I I like that moment. I like the story. Even though it's non-consequential in the game and really non-consequential in my life, I just love seeing (laughs) that kind of determination from a a player who I looked forward to when I knew this season of All Winners was going to happen.
0: So hopefully we'll be seeing the end of that pretty soon. We'll get a sense of who's back in the game and round things out. Only a couple more weeks to go. I believe next week is fully a two-hour episode, which Mm -hmm. is great. We need more of those, especially in the time of coronavirus. I'm looking forward to that. But before we get to all that, I want to do the back part of our episode a little bit differently today because there are some things throughout that we haven't talked about yet. We spent a lot of time trying to sort through the ending and the tribal council but as a way of kind of capturing everything else that happened in this episode I'd like to just run through this final group of people with the exception of the person who returns from extinction obviously and talk about our thoughts on them all as of right now and as we go through we'll call out whether they are in our power rankings and where they might be how's that sound I like it Okay, so real quick before we get to everyone who's left, let's talk a little more about Kim. She tried to make a move to get Tony out, backfired, wound up sending herself home. The notable moment of the episode for her outside of that that we haven't discussed is deciding in the immunity challenge to step down and eat some chocolate, eat some peanut butter, eat some cookies, drink some milk. Seating the victory belt to Denise and putting her own neck on the chopping block what did you think of that decision and did you ascribe any sense of giving up to her or did you assume that everyone who stepped down was just taking advantage of the fact that they were about to lose anyway
1: I think that maybe that is where she was I think she was uh, feeling maybe at the end of her rope as far as that challenge goes I don't think that she thought she was in as much trouble as she was, because it, it seemed like she was gonna have Michelle, Denise, Jeremy, and Nick all on her side trying to get Tony out, and then when he won, obviously plan had to change. So I think that ultimately she felt a little bit maybe safer than she was, but I also have to wonder and maybe Hunger gets to you a lot more, but, like, there's $2 million on the line. I don't think at this point in the game you can step down from any immunity challenge, no matter how safe you're feeling. Because Tony arguably is in one of the best positions but he didn't quit. He said, Nick, look, I'm going for the record, whatever, three-peat. Three I went back to back to back. And he didn't step down when he had the chance to get food and he had the chance to get a free fire token if he did step down. So it's like I, I don't want to fault Kim, but overall, like, you have to fault her. You're in a game for $2 million. You can't step down just because you're hungry and you feel safe.
0: Yeah, interestingly, I feel like her downfall was playing into the alpha storyline itself because she was getting a very stealthy edit throughout the season and randomly people would refer to her as a big threat to win at the end even though you hadn't seen a lot from her. And turns out when she stepped up and tried to make a name for herself, that was when everyone who was already viewed as quote-unquote threats decided to pounce. And turn the tables right back on her. And uh, I agree with her sentiment that she was attempting to make the right move. It just was not executed in in, in an effective way. And obviously there's a lot of variables on an island when it comes to trying to put together a plan like that that you have to rely on and uh, just didn't happen for her this time.
1: Yeah, I think one of the best words to describe what's happening is like opportunistic. So if you see, you can go in with a plan and I think Kim had the plan to get rid of Tony, but as soon as that was taken away from her with the immunity challenge, everyone else saw an opportunity. Hey, well, let's get rid of Kim. Look, she made this dumb move stepping down and then she also tried to make a name for herself by getting a vote. So why not get rid of the big threat? Everyone on board? Sounds cool. See ya. And I think that that's it, it's opportunistic, but not in like a forethought kind of way. I think that may be what's bugging me so much. Even though it is high level, it's almost bugging me because it doesn't feel like there's a lot of forethought going into the strategy of this well, season.
0: it makes you realize that's probably why all these people have win, because they're all so opportunistic that they're never really the one to put their own name out there as the ringleader... They're never really going to have a big, bold alliance that they stick to the whole time. They're just going to kind of glue everything together with Silly Putty and wait for their chance to strike. I mean, look at what Tony did last week. That was the kind of perfect episode you can only pull off if you have the patience and knowledge and boldness of a winner. And uh, they're certainly all displaying that in their own ways. I think as a way of jumping into conversation about the seven remaining contestants, I want to talk about Michelle when we talk about the word opportunistic, because the thing that jumps out to me with her is that her main goal seems to just be, I want my vote to be the vote of the majority, and... It makes it look like she is willing to turn on anyone for any reason, even if, like, she's not with the group. Like, she was wrong about voting Jeremy in this episode, but her whole rationale behind it was, like, I have to. Sorry. That's what everyone else is doing. And I'm curious what you make of that strategy, because obviously it helped her win an entire season, but it's such a strange strategy to watch because it just feels like she's always chasing the game
1: i don't think she's been necessarily one of the favorites of this season and i mean she even admitted that that she felt like a b tier kind of winner and i i don't know what it is because i feel like nick is in the same boat as her right now of show these people that you can be loyal maybe sneak your way into that third position at final tribal and then talk your way into a victory because there doesn't seem to be a clear path forward for michelle like she seems like she's struggling and she tried this episode to get in with jeremy she gave him a 50 50 advantage she's talking to him like she says i want to keep you you need to keep me blah 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 i'll be with you more loyal than ben who isn't even talking to you anymore or tony or sarah will ever be So I think that she's trying to be a part of the majority or at least play double agent, but I I don't know how effective it is because it's almost like play for third place in the hopes that you're going to get first place.
0: Yeah, it feels like that. She also gave up immunity to eat some snacks. I, I was confused by the way those challenges usually go. As Jeff says, if you step down now, you can eat to the end of the challenge. But they all stepped down and the challenge immediately ended. So I don't know how they determined how long they got to eat for, but they all seemed to have eaten.
1: Yeah, they all just went over and stuffed their faces until production was like, okay, now you got to stand in a line so we can award the necklace or whatever.
0: Yeah, Nick being the third member of that group. Did Michelle make it into your top three this week?
1: Michelle did not make it into my top three.
0: All right, then let's talk about the other food eater. Nick himself, winner of a season we covered on this podcast, very likable. He used to name his alliances. Now he's kind of floating between a couple different groups of people. How do you feel about our boy Nick Wilson?
1: I like Nick. I like that he's not going crazy like he was a few weeks ago. I think I was just talking about Michelle kind of playing to reach top three and then maybe talk herself into a winner. I think Nick has a much better chance of doing something like that because right now the ride or seem like Tony, Sarah, and then Ben maybe, Jeremy maybe, but I could also see Nick being a maybe if he can navigate his way through the next few days. And I, I don't know because being on... The wrong side of the vote is never good, but it's not like in the. He was on the right side of it
0: this week. He he did wind up voting Kim. He did, but it almost seemed. I think he's
1: in a better position because he. I don't know how to say it, but he seems like he's such a non-threat. To everyone out there and in everybody's mind that that could be a great argument for I'm a th- I am was a threat by not being a threat let me win
0: well see I've, I view him as more of a threat from as a viewer too which makes him interesting to me I think he is kind of in the power position that I like a lot on this show where like you said Jeremy and Ben are kind of facing off Tony and Sarah are these big loud personalities who are kind of the only pair still around and everyone wants Nick. Like no one is targeting Nick. Everyone wants Nick's vote to be with them. And I think he's just been playing in a way where he can step up and make a couple big moves and easily be the favorite to win. I, uh, I, I like his game, and I, I like the way that he plays, where everyone likes him and trusts him, but he's always ready to take action, and I have uh, high hopes for him. I,
1: yeah, I think he's got opportunity. I just want to see if he's able to grab that opportunity when it presents itself.
0: Is he in your top three? He is not in my top three. I have him at number two. Number two? Hmm. for all the reasons you just said (laughs) yeah you know i love that swing vote it's my favorite place so there you go two more coming from me as we narrow down here uh let's talk about denise denise had probably the biggest move of the season in playing sandra like a fiddle and (laughs) taking her out up until last week where tony probably now has the biggest move but surrounding that denise hasn't been on the power side of a lot of moves she hasn't been viewed as a big threat even though she won immunity this week she's kind of just skating along no one's really targeted her lately i don't know where to feel about her like how to settle up with the way that she's played
1: yeah i don't i don't know if she's in and tight with anybody i mean you saw jeremy talking to her in tribal like when she said let's vote he's like are you sure because you're safe this week but next week you know (laughs) this guy this might ruin that which if the season continues the way i think it's been shown who knows what's going to happen next week she could be on the bottom for two and a half days and then in tribal it flips again i i'm in the same boat with you i don't know exactly where to place her if if i had to guess i would say she's in the lower half of likelihood to win this season. But that's only because it doesn't seem like she has any ride-or-die person. She doesn't have... I think Kim was probably her closest person, and now Kim is... Yeah,
0: out. it's not like she hasn't played well, you know? I I just feel like no one views her as a threat. It's, it's kind of a strange position to be in.
1: Yeah, the quiet, subtle games are... Well, a, they're less exciting for TV. B, that you just don't see them working out as
0: well anymore. So, do you have her in your top three? I'm guessing no. She's not in my top three. Hmm. So I've done a good job so far. I've picked picked a few. You haven't had any of them. How about Ben?
1: I think, golly, Ben. I like Ben. I think I would really like Ben as a person. I don't understand Ben's strategy,
0: because... I think his strategy is, I'm just going to be a jerk to everyone and see what happens.
1: (laughs) Tony came and pleaded with him to change his vote, because Tony sees the big picture. Ben refuses to talk to Jeremy, and he's not winning immunities like he won last time. Uh, He did find an immunity idol, which I thought was a really funny part of this episode, him trying to hide it from Tony. I, look, I would do the same thing. If you're with somebody, like, gut reaction is just hide it. Or, honestly, if you look in that notch and you see it, just leave it there and come back in, like, five minutes. Just say you got to pee or something. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I don't know what his strategy is, but I don't think he's in as much trouble... As I think he is, because everybody kind of views him as, well, we can take him. It doesn't seem like his strategy is very good. It doesn't seem like he knows what he's doing. I I, I think he's in... This is, this is where I was confused. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what he's thinking, but I think he's in a safe spot. So he actually does crack my top three at number three. Only yeah, I for the like sake of he's not getting in his own way.
0: I feel like he's willed himself into being a threat. Like he works with the threats he tells the threats he's a threat and enough people believe him that he can keep going but the jury doesn't seem impressed by him he's not nice to people he's bad at deceiving i i don't know how to feel about him like i i don't view him as like a deserving winner at this point but You know, I I guess some of that is definitely colored by the fact that he's just straight up acting like a child around Jeremy, and (laughs) it's just hard to watch. But he certainly hasn't seemed to be in a lot of danger, and uh, it's a good place to be when you're as high profile of a winner as him with the way that he won. All right, so a few more people, two of them obviously... Are paired up, so maybe we'll break them up here. Let's talk about Sarah, who to me is just the ultra confidence player of this season. The the Nick Young Award to her for just always be willing to just talk too loud, so tell everybody to sit down, refuse immunity idols at tribal. She just heat check after heat check, and yet has never been in danger. Is in total control of pretty much everything that's happening and no one seems to mind.
1: Yeah she was someone and we talked about this off air before we started she would have been one of my top choices as possibly a winner and we're seeing that she's confident and she's playing well and she's got Tony no matter how dysfunctional that alliance seems and she's not been in trouble and I I think that she is playing very well even when she feels like she gets screwed over she's not as screwed over as she thinks because her position isn't as bad as she thinks i think she's playing the game at at such a high level that she's worried she's worried people are coming for her but she's like incognito on the top having tony be loud and in front is the best thing that she could have happen for her and i think she needs to stick with that and i think she's playing really really well for i mean for that i had her, i had her number 2
0: yeah I, I think i agree with you even though i wound up putting her number 4 for this week i in the long term feel that tony's such a huge shield for her that she could make it a really really long way and have a pretty good argument for winning but for this specific week i felt there was only room for one of that pair in my top three because it feels like only one of them is going to survive. And for me, that was Tony. I, I I put him at number one. Um, This is the second week in a row. He's won immunity. He's essentially dictated the vote, controlled the tribal council. I just feel that in the way things have played out in the last couple of weeks, he's become such an outsized threat that just feels like if he makes it to the end, no one will be at him.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, He's also my number one this week. Um, He is just playing right now at a level that is mind-blowing because he's loud and he's out there, but he's not getting votes for him. And I I don't understand in a season where people in the – last few seasons where people if they make waves at all they just get voted out if they make a good move at all they just get voted out and tony somehow isn't falling into that and i think the best way to sum it up is the way rob said it at tribal council he said tony's a boss dude and i've got nothing else tony's a boss
0: yeah watch out like he's, he was so quiet for so long and now Tony's here, and he's back, and you forget how good he is at this game until you uh, see stuff like this happen. But you got to think, people realize they need to take a shot before too long. It's just that so many people feel they're on the bottom, like Nick, Jeremy, Ben, Denise, Michelle. They probably all view themselves as lower than Tony on the totem pole, but something's got to happen. I think uh, he's a real, real big threat. My my number three, by the way, is, is the one person we haven't mentioned, and that's Jeremy. Did you say all three already?
1: Yes. Number one for me was Tony. Number two was Sarah. Number three was Ben.
0: Okay, right. Well, the reason I put Jeremy is it was a mere two weeks ago that he was destined to go home. The majority alliance had decided to vote him out, and he straight up just walked out of tribal council. <laughs> a move that... Uh, obviously hasn't happened before in 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 such a way, and everyone was mad. They said, "Jeremy, you how could you do that? That was stupid." But he gave himself a chance to fight another day, and now here we are. He survived two more episodes, and and this one was even on the right side of the vote. Like he was voted for, but everybody backed up behind him and took out Kim. I just uh, I've always liked Jeremy as just a fan of the show, and. To watch him recover from that in such a way and then turn down the use of the 50-50 coin this week and be right was just uh, impressive gameplay from a, an impressive winner.
1: Yeah, I really like Jeremy. I I don't know if the game is this particular game, not the game of Survivor, is slipping away from him because it feels like Tony and Sarah Are relying on Ben a lot more than they are on Jeremy, and I I don't like that position for him, which is why I had Ben because Jeremy was probably my number four. But Jeremy, uh, he's a guy that we like, and he seems we talked about it a few weeks ago. He's just kind of chilling at camp, and people come and talk to him, and he's willing to talk to people. And then even this episode, he eventually got to sit down and have a conversation with Ben, and uh, he's just he's just overall a good player, and I really like the way that he's playing but it seems like I could be just buying into the majority edit for this season but it just seems like he's that four position and there's clearly a top three even if one of them is kind of wishy-washy
0: and I I find it I, I know I can't really explain why narratives take shape on an island like that but People keep saying Jeremy's gonna win. I'm, I'm not sure why. I don't know what he's particularly done in this season that would make him worthy of winning. But the fact that he's viewed that way is is impressive. That he's able to do that and keep surviving. So hats off to him. Backwards hat boys. Hats off. That is all. Seven two hour episode next week. As we probably narrow it down ish. We'll we'll see if someone comes back from edge. <laughs> I would expect them to be down to six total for the finale. I think that's sort of the standard of late.
1: Yeah, so there's probably going to be a plan challenge and they're probably going to vote two people out or something along those lines. And I'm really looking forward to it. We always love when we get extra time on Survivor. I'm hoping Hmm. it's not just like two separate episodes in two hours. That kind of always bugs me, but we'll see. I'm, I'm excited for the extra time we get next week.
0: Yeah, and you'll have some extra time with us over the course of the next two weeks. There's only two episodes left, like two two full sit-downs and watching Survivors left as the finale heads our way on May 13th. But this season, Ty, it's just, it's blown past every expectation from an entertainment standpoint. The strategy might be hard to follow, but you bring 20 winners together and you get something pretty good.
1: Yeah, and I did want to mention this. There was a secret scene or unaired scene, whatever you want to call it, of Sarah and Kim kind of talking. And if you don't think that the game of Survivor is difficult, if you don't think it's tough, not just physically but emotionally as well, that scene showed it really well. It actually came out before this episode, obviously, because Sarah and Kim were talking. I recommend watching it it was really good it was like one of my favorite deleted scenes that i've watched um and yeah this season has been great because it's got people who love the game like every single person loves the game some people think they're gonna love it and they get out there and they get voted off and go home immediately and you just never hear from them again and you don't even care but these 20 people obviously love the game because they're all millionaires and decided to play again (laughs)
0: Yeah, and it's just, it might be hard to follow for me sometimes, but I look back at like a normal newbie season and I think of just how basic it feels. <laughs> and it does make me appreciate just how, <laughs> how paranoid this is, how high level, it's, and it's it's a lot of fun.
1: It's so paranoid. It's so crazy.
0: It's almost as paranoid as Clifford and his fears as he stares on from the bed behind you that's all we got for this week ty i think uh another another perfect episode from my favorite guest wow he was much closer than i realized when you reached back and touched him it's like a little depth depth perception illusion going on there but um yeah any last words
1: um
0: before clifford eats you
1: nothing just thanks for listening i hope uh, new zealand is doing well and I look forward to these
0: next two weeks. Yeah, we'll be back to talk all about it here on the island. Until next time, remember, it's hard to swallow when you don't know what's at the end of the fork. <laughs> Take care, everybody. On the island! Live here on the island. You gotta talk about the show if you wanna live here on the island. are you're gonna survive when you're gonna be living a life on the island. And you're living a survivor on the island. I'm not good at making these things up as well. <laughs> that is right.